0: This is uh, it's another one of those new songs. Uh, this song is about uh,
1: About one of those heavy breathing kind of phone calls you might have heard about. Hi, I'm Milan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel, A to Z. When's it coming out? I don't know, February, March, something like that, I hope. Uh,
0: this is called uh, Sometimes a Fantasy. And welcome to another episode of Billy Joel A to Z, where today we answer the question, what is real and what is fantasy? Well, we probably won't answer that question, but we really are talking about the Billy Joel single, Sometimes a Fantasy. Sometimes a Fantasy is the second song off of the first side of Billy Joel's seventh album, Glass Houses, and was the final song to be released off of the album as a single on October 11th, 1980 and peaked after only five weeks on the charts on November 8th, 1980. I don't even know what it, I think at 36 because it had a problem tackling. You ready for this alone? It had a problem tackling the theme to the Dukes of Hazard television show. I kid you
1: not. Which is also about phone sex.
0: I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> My parents wouldn't let me watch that. <laughs> I was already 30. However, some say the short trip on the charts was due to the content of the song and how radio stations didn't want to play it. Now, for some reason, the single version released is 39 seconds longer than the album version, which is incredibly weird, especially for someone who knows damn well what length the hit is supposed to be. 419? No. (laughs) This hit... Notice my word, this hit, surprisingly appears on lock and that's it. I mean, what the hell? Because how can this hit, in capitals, I'm saying hit, not appear on Greatest Hits 2? Or 3. Right. But it would have been the other songs on like Glass House were on Greatest Hits 2. And, of course, my favorite, of course, that the single version... Which is 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 longer and has a strange ending and isn't available anywhere, does not appear on my lives. It's just absolute
1: madness, madness. Absolute
0: madness, another reason to say WTF. Seriously, that My Lives album is truly worthless. Fortunately, there is a hilarious music video for the song, which once again is groundbreaking in a matter of speaking, but much more on that later in the episode. Alan. I don't mind telling you that today in the rankings, Christopher Bonanos and Glenn Gamboa have the exact same number ranking. Wow, that's never happened before. No. So guessing both of them, knowing Christopher Bonanos much better than, you know, Glenn Gamboa, where do you predict? He will place sometimes a fantasy, a Billy Joel hit, maybe not the greatest song, but a Billy Joel hit nonetheless, out of 121 songs.
1: Well, knowing Christopher Bonanos, there's a lot of sound effect kind of things going on in the song. There's the heavy breathing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he doesn't like, but I do. So I don't know for a hit on the lower side of hits. I'll say 47.
0: Oh, you're right there. 57 for both of them. The fans rank it at 45. So you're right in the middle. I mean, right. You're right in the sweet spot. Everybody's in that same sweet spot. Christopher Bernardo says he gets major points for trying to write a great phone sex song, but the result has a high ick factor. Maybe <laughs> because make love long distance followed by pervy breathing comes off gross rather than sexy. <laughs> it depends on who's doing the video breathing. You know, I mean, if it's John Bon Jovi, you could take another stab at this and say, I don't know. Uh, The unintentionally hilarious video may be affecting my judgment a little here. So everything he says is exactly what I'm sure we're thinking.
1: No, but he says unintentionally hilarious. I think Billy Joel knew that was a hilarious music video.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I agree with that. So we'll talk about the video, possibly at length, in a second. Let's just talk about the song for a minute, if you don't mind starting there. Okay, so if you don't know, and I don't know whether this is a thing anymore, but certainly in the 70s, an obscene phone call was, was a guy breathing like this. I mean, that was the classic obscene phone call, which I don't think people do anymore because
1: with once caller ID happened, I, I don't think it became a thing anymore, right? I think people just don't use the phone anymore because, like, we're all too scared to call people. So maybe there's obscene texts where they just text somehow an emoji that represents heavy breathing.
0: Oh, see, I still use a phone, so I don't understand what you're talking about. And when I call all my friends that are your age, they're like, "Why are you calling? Can't you just text this?" And I'm like, "I have a lot to say." And then you're like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> "Exactly." But it is kind of great that that breathing does. He found a way to make breathing musical. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I love the breathing. And I I think I figured out what he's doing that based on in A Day in the Life, a song that we know Billy Joel has heard once or twice. Apparently. Right after the part where Paul says, looking up, I noticed I was late. Paul McCartney goes. He does? Yeah. And he does it in that sense, I think, because he's like running because he's late. So it's kind of like it's an out of breath kind of thing. But he does it the exact same way that Billy Joel does it. And there's a 2001 master class. Where Billy Joel basically sings all of A Day in the Life. And he, you know it, he makes sure he does that heavy breathing. So uh, it, it definitely was in his mind. It sounds just like it. That's where I think he got the exact sound of it, which is maybe different from how other perverts might have sounded on the phone.
0: Woke up, fell out of bed. I tried to comb
1: across my head. <laughs>
0: Found my way downstairs and drank a cup. Looking up, I noticed I was thinking. Like, <laughs> Grab my coat and grab my hand. I made the bus in seconds fly. That is interesting. Now, apparently, like I said at the top, a lot of radio stations had trouble playing this song. It's weird because I already got the phone of the song. We all know what it means. But Billy Joel was smart because he was careful to leave the lyrics a little ambiguous enough so it would get radio airplay. But of course, the video was a completely other matter. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, again, you know, where were you seeing this video? But again, we'll talk about that at length in a second. It's just that this is a, I guess, back then, a risky song. I mean, in the sense of only the good die young. uh, He he was, you know, for a guy that again sings Uptown Girl, he was taking a lot of chances. You know, we forget sometimes the way things used to be back in the day, what it took to get on the radio airplay, and you want to be just enough edgy. But you got to pull back a little bit, which I think this song exactly does.
1: Yeah, it's all like these lyrics are not obscene at all. The most obscene thing maybe is when he says, I really needed stimulation, though it was only my imagination. That's like really the only thing that really tells you what the song is about. And I remember when I was listening to this for the first time years ago, because I didn't know this song wasn't, as you said, it was not on greatest hits one, two or three. I remember listening to it on the radio and thinking, hey, I think this might be about phone sex. So like, it takes you a second. It's not like it's right there in your face. And he's talking about words like satisfaction, which the Rolling Stones were doing 16 years earlier. What, what is so risque about this? I don't know.
0: Well, again, you're coming at it from a different time period where now it is not risque. Now it's just like Christopher Bonanno says an icky factor because, you know, it's just Billy Joel and not John Bon Jovi, which I really think could have been a complete difference. But yeah, I think the times were just different. There really, there's nothing wrong with it. And let alone, I mean, it's a great song. And I remember, I guess, no, I wasn't driving when this came out, I guess, but I but I guess I remember listening to Glass House, you know, when I first got a, well, no, that couldn't be right either. I didn't have a tape deck in the car. I only had an AM, AM radio. Well, at some point, uh, I guess in college, I had a car with a tape deck and I loved playing this song and driving to it. I mean, all of Glass Houses you can just drive to, you know?
1: Yeah, no, this song is, is really good. It's really fun to listen to. It's really fun to hear him play it live. because It's exciting. And I think you like it because he's singing kind of in a Rick Ocasek sort of style that
0: I can't believe you just mentioned that because the demo version. Did you hear that? Yeah. So that demo version is interesting in the sense that you with this song in the demo version, you kind of get a feel for the entire album and its purpose, because just like I've got the same thing. It's truly a straight ahead rock new wave song like the cars I had that written down, especially this song. Even when and when he goes with the bup bup bup, it really does sound like Rick Ocasek. Yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing. It's so funny, but it also the the song after you hear the demo shows what a really and because we kind of skewered it a little way when we were doing scenes from an Italian restaurant. But when you see the demo, you see what a great producer Phil Ramone is. It it it's very obvious.
1: Yeah, because a lot was needed. It was definitely not in a finished form at all. Besides the fact that the lyrics are not there. Maybe half right. of them are there. Right. A lot but of them the, changed a lot.
0: But the demo is a true straight ahead rock song. And then as you go further, you're like, no, 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 wait. It's it's a new wave song. And then, you know, you go back and forth. But, yeah, it's definitely not Billy Joel-like. And it's definitely anything you could have heard in the 80s, which, again, here's this guy saying, you know, I can write all these songs you people love. I just choose not to because I'm better than all of you. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I hate, I hate to, to be left here lonely I
1: hate to call you up in the middle of the night It's, so it's so awful hard, hard to try to make love along this
0: You guys have one style. I have multiple styles. I'm going to show you all of them for the next 20 years. Every album is going to be different.
1: Yeah. And on this one, he was like, okay, every new wave artist, here's me doing a song like every single one of you. And each one of these songs is better than all of your songs.
0: Exactly. Yes. Also, he has said that the girl that inspired this song uh, was not Diane, uh, but somebody named Debbie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not that that's all but he said that's the furthest he got with her with her was uh, her was talking to her on the phone
1: that was I guess that's how it got inspired <laughs> wherever you can get inspiration from right it's kind of funny like this album it's like you know he's got these songs that are about such little things like phone sex is like a hit song and then sleeping with the television on they're all like these little inconsequential moments that he makes a whole song around
0: but it is a very sexual album without being a sexual album <laughs> like the whole, every topic is about trying to get laid it's weird when you think of the way we're doing this podcast and now thinking about it, like every song is really about trying to get laid. And yet you don't feel that when you're listening to the album.
1: Yeah. It's all unrequited. It's all just, I can't talk to the girl. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm on phone sex lines. Cause I can't meet people in person. He's a nerd. It's beautiful. He's a nerd.
0: Nerd rock. Like you said uh, last time, cause this is the second uh, glass house. song we're doing in a row like Weezer would do uh, 10 years from now or more.
1: Yeah, it totally fits the mold. So the Russia video,
0: he obviously played this song during the Russia tour. And yeah, I guess you weren't alive. uh, I was alive. I was young. Were you? I was three or four. Oh, so I remember, you know, so it was a big deal that he went to Russia. Big deal. It was covered by everybody because, you know, an American going to Russia back then was really messed up and really interesting. And, you know, you're a spokesperson for America. So I so this is the song he was playing when he knocked over the piano
1: in in a rage. Yeah, a very famous meltdown. And the video of it is you can't even believe it's real. It's so out of character for Billy Joel.
0: Right. And all the news agencies covered it. Everything was covered by especially all the local stations, for sure. And Entertainment Tonight. And everybody covered it because it was big news. Because I remember when it happened, I'm like, look at this guy. He's just trying to get attention. He's trying to show us he's a real rock and roll guy. But now that we know more, and of course, it was hard to get information back then. So it slowly trickled out that we know why he was mad at the lighting crew, which is even funnier. That it's like it's like rock and roll to throw over the piano and get angry. But you're like angry at the lighting crew. <laughs> That's nerd rock and roll. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The lighting crew is not doing what they're supposed to do. (laughs) They put a
1: spotlight on Christie Brinkley's boobs. How dare they?
0: (laughs) But I totally get it. And especially you're in like nobody wants. I hate when they turn up the lights in a crowd. I used to be nervous when they used to do that in the old Carol Burnett shows. You're like, let's turn up the lights a bit and see if anybody has a question. I like to sit in the dark. So I know what he's talking about. I I don't want to be part of the show and and so you get it and especially in russia you have to figure all those people are probably terrified to show their emotions or dance or sing out so to put the lights on that's probably why he was so adamant about it he's like shut it off they're having a good time they want to be anonymous I'm gonna take control, of my stop lighting the audience why does it always seem to hit me in the middle of the night stop it
1: yeah, that's exactly it. And so uh, I think his reaction was a little, I mean, look, you're in Russia, you flipped your piano over. Can you get another piano for the next show? Like, you know, Good point uh, how they, too. what's going to happen that you don't have like, a. you can't call your roadie up and be like, hey, yeah, get that. Get our backup piano. Like, you don't have a lot of equipment with you. I guess they were able to work around this whole thing. He also smashes the microphone stand. He's really uh Yeah, he
0: was really angry because people weren't paying attention. They were like, What do I gotta do to tell you to turn off these lights?
1: Imagine that, like while he's smashing the mic stand, it like it flies out and like hits somebody in the audience and then they just stick him in Siberia for 20 years.
0: Yeah, well, that would have been, you know, in this day and age, he would have been totally screwed. But you know, that's the other thing, too. He probably thought about him, mean, he's too smart. He definitely said, I'm gonna throw over the piano. This isn't a drunken drug infused rage um he's like i'm gonna throw over the piano it'll send my message it's rock and roll it'll get publicity and we need publicity because the point was to put out a video of this tour and a documentary to get some of it It cost him money to do this whole thing in russia and he was going to lose out on a whole bunch of money The, the tour wasn't I don't know. It just, he was, he was losing a lot of money and the documentary was the key. So getting any kind of publicity helped him. Re- get, what, what do you call it? Recount his money back. What, what do you, what do you call it? Recoup recoup his money back. Exactly. So I think it's really well thought out because then right after he was interviewed, he was like, ah, eh, you know, sometimes you just get crazy. The lights were on. I, eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's so, a good
1: point. And also because uh, he, he wasn't flipping over a grand piano. It was like a little crappy piano on stilts
0: yeah, he knew what he was doing. He was just breaking things that maybe he knew there was a piano, like you just said, maybe he knew there was another piano. Maybe he knew they could get another piano. I believe it was actually very well thought out.
1: nothing spontaneous anymore. It's like reality TV. It's all fake. It's all scripted. <laughs> but I do remember how huge it was here,
0: you know, and that's good for Billy Joel because he, you know, he was always kind of under the wire. you know, he just he just didn't make news headlines like that. And this was a huge deal. You know, the only thing where Billy Joel was ever in the news, was marrying Christy Brinkley, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so this was uh, a way to, you know, kind of get the word out. And then of course, why wouldn't you want to buy the documentary after that? Right yeah
1: an electric piano smashed a microphone on stage joel got ticked off when his american film crew turned spotlights on the crowd to capture their reaction to his performance joel is making a documentary while he's there hoping to get back most of the two million dollars it's costing to do the tour when interviewed joel passed off the onstage incident as to just part of the show i threw t- throw a tantrum i threw a piano At one point, Joel took uh, some of his frustration out on the audience. Annoyed when he uh, wasn't getting any response from the first few rows, he told them to leave if they didn't like it. But most of the audience enjoyed the show. After what the musician said was a slow start, the reserved Soviet crowd transformed into a clapping, enthusiastic audience, more like uh, Joel's American fans. Joel has one more performance tomorrow night before moving on to Leningrad for three other concerts. Tomorrow night, he sets his hair on fire. We <laughs> could look forward to footage of that.
0: Thanks for being with
1: us. And then they did end up putting out the video of him singing this song in full from a different performance in Russia, and it was pretty cool, actually. The crowd's really into it. Uh, Billy's doing this weird move where he just puts his leg up on the piano. That is so
0: creepy. Talk about an ick factor.
1: Yeah. I'm not happy with that move at all. I don't understand it.
0: I could see if a girl did that, how sexy that would be. But I I don't need to see Billy Joel's leg on the piano. That was awkward as shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At least he limited the thrusting. It wasn't there wasn't too much thrusting. But when you compare that to like the live in Long Island video from five years earlier when he played this song and he had really great dance moves. Yeah. He definitely lost a step along the way. Yeah.
0: Why and why does he always do that Joe Cocker move when he sings that line? When am I gonna take control? Get a hold of my emotions. He has that crazy
1: Oh yeah. He's like grabbing his back and like like turning. He's having a a stroke, yeah, like a like a seizure. Yeah, it's like
0: a signature move that he did in 1982 with that Uniondale performance and then in 1986 in Russia as well.
1: Yeah. I guess it's like he's trying to literally get a hold of his emotions. He's trying to grab emotions. Like he's like there, really there, stupid.
0: There is nothing better when he gets into a song that he is doing, you know, especially years later. I love that he still gets into it and he's passionate about it. It is kind of terrific.
1: Yeah, and I like also that when he sings it live, he'll often do the bebop before yeah. that. <laughs> Because there's this really good alliteration in the song, which is, um, he says, be better, baby, but believe me. So it's like four B's in a row, five B's in a row. So right before that, he does beep lula So he just really like hammers it home. And he is singing like the song Beep lula by Gene Vincent is a 50s rockabilly hit song that everyone's covered. And just like Rick Ocasek, he's singing in that style. I think that's probably where Rick got his style from.
0: Yeah, well, I don't like it. (laughs) Well, I don't like any of those b blue, but it does fit and it's kind of fun when he does play it. So that's the thing. So why do you suppose they put out a longer single and then that strange thing at the end from the Ringo Starr stuff? uh, What does he say?
1: I got blisters
0: on my blisters. Why? Why is that necessary? Why? why what, it, what is that about? What's going on
1: here? Well, that's a Helter Skelter reference because Bringo says I got blisters on my fingers because they were playing it for so many minutes that, and then they kind of fade out and then back in and make the shorter album version. I guess Bringo had blisters. Why is necessary
0: on Sometimes a Fantasy?
1: It, it, it is not necessary at all on this song, except Billy was probably just feeling, you know, he loves the Beatles, so why not say it?
0: What do you suppose the reason for putting a longer song out as a single? I've never heard of such a thing.
1: I've never heard of this happening in my life. I really think it might be one of the very, very, very few cases of this ever happening. It's cool for David Brown, who we never talk about, but his guitar work on this album is so good and on so many Billy Joel albums. Uh, So he got to do a longer solo.
0: That's true. And it is fun. And it's a good. So God, uh, watching him do this live, it's fun watching him play. He's really talented.
1: Yeah. He really is. He, I mean, and I think the song we were doing, uh, Sleeping with the Television on also, there's all these songs uh, where he's such a big part of it, but we never really bring him up. It's always the other guys.
0: So again, I know we were talking about this before, but I don't know whether you know this, but I just, I guess because of the video situation I was looking at that Glass Houses was the third non-soundtrack album to generate four top 40 singles from one album. It never been done before. Fleetwood Mac Rumors and Michael Jackson's Off the Wall wow. and Billy Joel Glass Houses. And remember, if you if you know anything about the 80s, it set a precedent because after these guys did it towards 83, what well, once Thriller came out, then you couldn't do an album without having six or seven singles on it, which is unheard of. And Billy Joel was able to do it multiple, again, with uh, Innocent Man, came very close to, Michael Jackson Thriller. I believe the biggest album is Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, maybe or 1812. That album, I think, uh, something had bonafide more than anybody, even I think more than Thriller. You mean more singles? Yeah. Yeah. Singles so oh. released. But what a big deal in 1980. They just didn't do that kind of stuff. And Billy Joel, that's how the third non soundtrack album.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Saturday Night singles. Fever was one of them, right?
0: And, and the thing is, so, so like we said last time, right. So I don't know if you have exactly Greece. Uh, so we said last time, you, you know, all, the, the entire first side of the album was released. It, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, all for Lena is always questionable, but we know it was released first somewhere. They, they tried. So, I yeah. mean, just the whole first side of the album. This is an unbelievable accomplishment.
1: Yeah. He was at the peak of his pop powers. There's an alliteration. And so every song could be used as a single. There was nothing on this album that was too long or too weird. I mean, well, this was too weird, but they still did it.
0: Okay, so let's just go right into the video then, because it's amazing that there is a video for this song, and that's what I want to talk about. First of all, what we're talking about is the guy had five songs, singles, to, and did four videos. Four fucking videos. It, he did the entire first side except for Don't Ask Me Why. and remember this is 1979 or maybe early 1980 and and so you know who's doing that yeah and this is before mtv 1980 oh yes 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 that's what i'm saying so 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 here's the thing so well first let's talk about the video the video is so weird (laughs) but but awesome that it exists and i had no idea until uh i saw it a second time that The other guy was evil Billy Joel.
1: I don't get how you don't know that. It's clearly Billy Joel. I had
0: no idea it was Billy Joel. I was like, who the fuck is this actor? And how come he's never spoken about again?
1: It looks like Martin Scorsese. I
0: I thought it was another band member. He doesn't look like Billy Joel in it. I, I was fooled for the I'm not good at faces. So I had no idea until at least two minutes into the video that it was supposed to be evil. Billy Joel.
1: Yeah, so he has a full beard there. Looks like a real beard. So I'm sure they filmed that first, and then he shaved, and then filmed the in the bed scene.
0: Yeah, but it's so weird. But it's a it's a complete quote concept video. Uh, Again, like she's right on time. No, going to the band. The easy way to get out of a video, do it in one day. Just go to the band, singing it. It wasn't that. And it's just so funny singing into the phone. It's so simple and perfect. You know, it's just so easy and fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, comparing it to She's Right on Time, which was such a complicated video. They both just take place in an apartment. But that one, there's all this slapstick crazy stuff going on, special effects. This one's just like, all right, so Billy, you'll just like lie in the bed and sing into the phone. And then we'll have another girl in another place and she'll be listening to the phone. And that's the whole thing.
0: Yeah, what you guys got to realize is that, again, this is before MTV. So no one was doing this. No one as except Michael Jackson. So for off the wall, Michael Jackson shot three videos, but they what they called them were short films. Uh-huh. Now, we know Billy did this for 52nd Street for my life, and we would definitely call that a short film for sure. Right. Because it starts on that in that playground. Yeah. <laughs> was What is it? Stiletto or uh, that? Uh, yes. Yeah, stiletto off, right? starts it off. So they were called short films, and Michael Jackson did Rock With You, which after he died, that's all they were playing, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, and She's Out of My Life. And he made She's Out of My Life, and I think Rock With You the same day. That's how easy these videos were able to do. Most music videos were made in a day, even in the MTV era. But they were just entitled short films because nobody knew what it was.
1: Yeah. And and we think like, don't stop till you get enough. That's he's just dancing in front of a terrible green screen. So it's not nothing like what Billy Joel is doing here.
0: No. And you should see she's out of my life. He's just sitting on a stool singing it, but they're just. just So I don't even know where they were playing this stuff, you know, back in 1979, where was it being played? It's like, you've got to be a total forward thinker. There was not, not even any, I was going this in my head. There was not even I did a. I made a screenplay uh, based on this book about the beginnings of MTV and uh it, it got far and then it went nowhere. That happens mm-hmm. a lot. So I know everything about the beginnings of MTV. And I promise you, there wasn't even an inkling going around in anybody's mind that this was happening. And if there was, no one thought it was going to be the mega unbelievable shit that it was. So and take this, for example, in August of 1981, when. August 1st, 1981, when MTV went on the air, the executives that invented MTV couldn't even watch it in Manhattan. They had to go out to New Jersey to one bar that had a feed of it. So what I'm saying is if this guy was making videos in 1979 or early 1980, there was no way he could conceive that this was going to be a thing. And yet he made four videos off this one album for just what? Posterity.
1: Yeah, you don't think maybe he made the videos after the album's release, like in 81, when there was word of MTV starting up?
0: No, no, because he was already on to the next thing. He was already working on. No, I, I do not think that. I do not think that at all. I think these were made for the album. I think, again, it has a big influence on Paul McCartney and the Beatles who filmed a whole bunch of stuff. And maybe it had something to do with Michael Jackson, who had done it a year before. Maybe he saw some of the off the wall stuff.
1: Yeah, I guess it was just like a promotional thing that they could play in a record store.
0: That's exactly what it was, Alon. It was a promotional, I don't want to say video, uh, because it just wasn't called that back then, but it was a promotional tactic. That's exactly what they refer to it as.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, here's something. First of all, I have many things to say about this. (laughs) Number one, the phone number that he's calling, 516-673-1112. Before we went on the air, I called it. And I could have left a message, but I chose not to. It, Who nobody was it? Picked up. Nobody picked up. So it's a real number. It's a real number. It's a Long Island area code, right? 516, the Long Island area code, exactly. You can see it at the beginning of the video. And it was back in the 80s when people were calling it after they saw the video, because that's, that's why they always use the 555 number from now on. <laughs> uh, it was a travel agency. So what I did was I looked up, Travel agencies in, where do you think I'm looking? Hicksville. Oyster Bay. (laughs) (laughs) And I I didn't find anything. So uh, I just assumed he was like, maybe he was just, he hated a travel agency. And he's like, this will really get to him good. But it's so funny. That's uh, the number, and people were calling it, and I looked it up online. I can find no information about it, and it's kind of driving me crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to call it. And if there's someone who's gonna answer, what were they gonna say? If they if someone answered, what would the what would the person answering say? No, what was I gonna say? December song. <laughs>
0: Damn it. No, I was just gonna say, is Billy there? Oh, or
1: <laughs> the most obvious, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, damn it! December song would have been even fucking funny.
1: Or I, I would have been like, "Yeah, I'm looking for a vacation to Zanzibar." <laughs> uh, no, we do not have that. I made the guy Indian. I don't know why. <laughs> uh
0: Well, do you have something to Vienna? <laughs> Can you just hear you and me laughing on the other line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the other thing, and this is kind of interesting too. The guy that directed this video, his name is George Gomes, and he is a legendary commercial director i don't know how they found him this is the only video he ever directed but i do know that he directed and is credited for three unbelievable legendary commercials in the 70s this is when commercials were just people were quoting commercials he designed the i can't believe i ate the whole thing from alka seltzer i don't you're too young but you probably maybe remember i've heard of it it was Epic. Everybody was saying it.
1: I can't believe I ate that whole thing. You ate it, Ralph.
0: He did Time to Make the Donuts, which you probably don't know, but older listeners will.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that one. Time to make the donuts. Dunkin' Donuts are always fresh. I made the donuts.
0: And uh, even like a Breakstone Cottage Cheese one, which uh, everybody knows, too. Uh, it, like, he was really good. But... He made a what was then Bell Telephone, an AT&T commercial, which is the most fascinating part of all of this, where it was this black couple and they say Joey called and they're like, why? And they're just having this moment. She goes, he just called to say I love you, mom. <laughs> so this was a legendary commercial. And I believe because of the phone call commercial, they called this guy.
1: Because about phones and the song is about phones.
0: Well, he made a heartwarming commercial about phones, so it might have been in their mind in that sense. But here's the other thing. You know this is the song I just called to say I love you. This is where that commercial, Stevie Wonder also saw this commercial. This is how powerful this commercial was. Stevie Wonder wrote that song based on this goddamn commercial. Really? Yeah, that the director of Sometimes a Fantasy made.
1: You're you're using up 14 different trivia questions that would have been great for the trivia section. This is really good information.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah, i went down a rabbit hole yesterday it was like you know this is the kind of stuff that completely fascinates me because i was dying i was dying until we have billy joel on this podcast i am dying to know how he was smart enough to make a music video before music video was invented and there's no information and it's killing me four music videos off an album the year before MTV is invented, I, I gotta know more information and I can't find a goddamn thing.
1: Yeah, well, we'll find out one day. and i I something I found out in this video. I don't know if you've noticed this, but he Billy Joel is on a little twin-sized bed in this video. and the pillowcase on that twin side bed is a got horizontal stripes on it, which is exactly the same as the stranger album cover.
0: Ooh. Oh that's interesting. Well, you know, that's interesting too that you say that now because a lot of videos in the day would do callbacks to their other songs or albums. God, if that if if that was intentional, then he really is a goddamn genius, which we already know anyway, we know musically. But if he thought about all this stuff and I don't know if he was the guy, maybe this is Elizabeth's doing. I mean, seriously, right? Who cuz this is way forward thinking. And if you're saying That there's a stranger reference in the video to this. I mean, that's even there's no way Billy, Billy Joel likes beer and he's a prodigy. So I just refuse to believe that he thought of any of that stuff because it's just (laughs) nobody can be that good in one lifetime.
1: Yeah. Well, who knows? It's not
0: not fair. (laughs) It's not fair to anybody else. But boy, wouldn't that be something else? How do you like that? If that's true. There's a uh, little stranger reference to a little Easter egg in the sometimes a fantasy video.
1: Yeah, the only thing is it's only on the pillowcase, not all of the sheets. They look different. So it's like just this one part of it. And then he didn't put up like the boxing gloves on the wall, things like that, which would have definitely been the stranger. Uh, Wouldn't that have been great, though? Who's the girl in the video? I have no idea. Like I was saying, trying to look it up. Oh, man, I I figured for sure you would have a whole backstory. Oh, yeah, she was on uh, season three, episode two of Charlie's Angels. I know. Oh,
0: believe me. Last night I went crazy. Then all the start. I started watching these Saturday morning cartoons on YouTube. I mean, I, just, I don't know where I was. I was up until five in the morning, like just. You know, I went down this rabbit hole because I was doing some serious, like, heavy research into I because I'm just too fascinated that this guy was able to make music videos before there were music videos. I don't understand how everybody else isn't talking about it.
1: It's what catapulted him into superstardom,
0: but it's not. that's the
1: thing well it definitely helped when mtv started billy Joel was like here i have 40 videos for you (laughs) and they're that's true
0: that's true but that's why it's funny because the only one that people know about is pressure that being the first one where he's like all right now we can get serious and make a you know really do a concept and that's Mm -hmm. like he was one of the first people to be on board which was very obvious because he was one of the first people to be on board so but but then we talked about the pressure and he goes ah do whatever you want so, I, I can't figure this guy out. Yeah. Remember, he said to the director, Russell Malkai, ah, whatever you say is fine. I, I can't, I just can't figure it And then he's upset with the way the She's Right on Time video is. So, I don't know. <laughs> we'll talk more about this when we get the Down Girl. Wait till you see what I got to say about that. Is there a video <laughs> for that song? Oh, there is. Oh. <laughs> now, speaking of the live stat salon, I'm curious. I get a feeling in being at, multiple Billy Joel concerts over the years. I feel like he plays this all the time and he's never stopped. What What's he, the actual word on this?
1: Yeah, it's a lot more than I thought, because you'd think this would be one of those sort of once in a while kind of songs that yeah. you pull out, but it's the 22nd most played song. He's played it 318 times.
0: What's the last, like, you know, what about in the 20 Madison Square Garden stuff?
1: He literally played it three nights ago. But does he play it often? Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty often now. Isn't
0: that weird? It's like... A, <laughs> So he plays it all the time. It charted on the charts. at I think 36. I For some reason, I didn't write down the number. I was positive it was 36. And yet it's not on greatest hits. I mean, this drives me insane in a completely different way than the videos drive me crazy. And then there's a, a version. that's unavailable anywhere else because it was only on the fucking 45, a single version. They don't put on the My lives thing. This Billy Joel world of whatever the hell they're doing there. You know who he needs? Elizabeth Weber. She'll yeah. put this into shape.
1: <laughs> right how does my life not have the extra long single version or the demo version Both that's of which not exists. available
0: anywhere else but they'll put studio versions of all the stuff we can get anywhere else except Drives my life
1: crazy <laughs>
0: yeah, except my life right
1: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well Dave it's time for the trivia portion of the show do you have a stumper for me lot, I've used up all of my trivia, uh,
0: as you said earlier. <laughs> no, I have one and it's awful because I know I had all those other trivia ones, but I still say they were ones you couldn't get. And this one you might not get. It's a weird. I like to always give you trivia that I think you're going to get, but I don't know about this one. It's before your time and I don't know, but it involves comedy. So I thought maybe I'll take a chance. Okay. And it's the first thing I thought of when I thought of the song. Which Mel Brooks movie? came out the same year as The Stranger and has a legendary scene where Madeline Kahn thinks she's getting an obscene phone call while Mel Brooks is actually getting strangled on the other end.
1: Uh, I don't. Okay. I'm trying to think what Mel Brooks movie takes place in a time when there's telephones. Cause I'm thinking of like, well, that would
0: be every Mel Brooks movie ever made.
1: No, but I mean, oh, you're saying Blazing like, Robin like the old west of, I see what you're and saying, right, uh, yeah. history of the world. Part one was good point. Good point. OK, stuff, I too. see what
0: you're saying. Right, right. Because he would go backwards. OK, right. So it's a modern one. Yeah, it took place in the actual
1: time in 1977. I, and gosh, I feel like I should know Mel Brooks movies. Better, no, no. Right? I had a
0: feeling you wouldn't know it because it's kind of a lesser known one. It was a favorite of mine because I saw it as a 13 year old. And thought it was the funniest movie I've ever seen. But that would be like how some people like Spaceballs. And I was too old to like Spaceballs. But if you were the right age for Spaceballs, you probably thought it was the funniest movie ever
1: made. Yeah, like for me, Robin Hood, Men in Tights.
0: See, and that was the worst movie I have ever seen. But
1: Dave Chappelle's (laughs) in it.
0: Yeah, I know. And it was exciting that he got the part. We were all excited. I'll never forget we had the same manager. And he goes, hey, did you hear Chappelle?" Got the uh, the black character in a Mel Brooks movie, you know, which would normally be racist, but it was a complete uh, badge of honor for <laughs> Mel Brooks. He gets to play the token black guy in a Mel Brooks movie. Can you believe that?
1: At nineteen,
0: yeah. Anyway, the movie is called High Anxiety.
1: High Anxiety. It's always
0: the same. Ooh, anxiety. It's you that I
1: blame. I don't think I've ever heard of it.
0: Oh, my God. It's so good. It's a completely uh, it's all uh, tribute to Alfred Hitchcock. So it's all these Alfred Hitchcock uh, scenes that is so good. And he sings the song in it, which I think I've sang on the show before. High anxiety. It's you that I blame high anxiety. <laughs> it's so funny. He's um, I'll never forget I saw the coming attractions on one of these movie shows when they had like previews and he starts to sing in this club and I'm like, "Wait a minute. What kind of movie is this? This is the greatest movie I've ever seen. I can't wait to go see it." Like just because he was singing a song <laughs> in a movie, like a Broadway show tune in a movie. Oh my god. And now that I think about it, the movie was so good for me and that song. I memorized the entire song. This is before there was social media or YouTube or anything. I memorized the song. High anxiety, you know, just from the seeing it in the movie theater twice. And then in eighth grade, I would go around. This is unbelievable. I would go around with, you know, a pencil in class, in Spanish class, and sing the song before the teacher came in to all my classmates. They loved it. And and I'd go into the classmate because in the in the movie, and I've done this at the comedy cellar too, and nobody gets it. And I go in, and he goes, and he he sees people along the way. He goes, "Where are you from, Tex?" And he goes, "Cincinnati. Love that big red machine." And he just keeps going on. He's like, "What is this rice?" And they're like, "Yes, we were just married. When today?" And they said it wouldn't last. Like he's just going in the audience doing that (laughs) bit, and I would do that with my classmates. They all knew the the dialogue. So they'd be like, where are you from Cincinnati? Like they knew what to say. Love that big red machine. People were, they were dying. They thought it was the funniest thing. And it's the stupidest thing.
1: Yet another Dave Jeskau bit that you have to explain. Trust me, it brought down the house. You have oh, to understand. exactly.
0: Well, it's just funny to be an eighth grader and uh, people don't mind when you're singing in class like that. It's just, just like, it's amazing. I didn't get beaten up every single day of my life. But again, it was a different time where they're like, no, this guy sings well. He's, he's a good singer. He's going to make. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, yeah, he's a fruit. He sings like a, you know, <laughs> I was more like Sinatra. <laughs> hey, he's okay. He sings. Yeah, you're like protected. An <laughs> And I love that movie. I swear I did it at the cellar, going around with the microphone at the Village Underground, starting my show, singing, and going to at least the people I knew. (laughs) Where are you from? (laughs) I mean, I'm talking about three years ago Uh before COVID. (laughs) I can't help myself. I got a problem. Uh, Also, as an aside, a little more uh, trivia history action, Madeline Kahn who you know, was in high anxiety in this amazing scene. I play a clip of it all the time on my uh, podcast because she always says, I mean, I just had just about enough because she's getting into the obscene phone call before she realizes it's Mel Brooks.
1: I am not going to listen to any more of this. I mean, I've had just about enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you're an animal. You know, like, I, I don't put up with this kind of stuff. Anyway, she starred in The Muppet Show where Floyd from Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem played New York State of Mind. Uncle Floyd? No. no. <laughs> Floyd from Dr. Teeth. So he was backed up by Dr. Teeth and Zoot. But Madeline Kahn was the guest when they played New York State of Mind on The Muppet Show.
1: There it is. Brings it right back around to Billy Joel. It was so easy living day by day. Mm-hmm. Out of touch with the rhythm and blues.
0: I try and bring it around. That's what we do. So, Alon, do you have a trivia question for me that's not 50
1: years old? <laughs> no, mine is 50 years old.
0: Oh, good. Well, that's perfect for me.
1: Okay. So, uh, like we mentioned before, Billy Joel likes to sing Bebop Balula in this song. Eugh. My question is what guitarist played a Stratocaster guitar that had the word Bebop Balula written on it in the late 60s and early 70s?
0: Well, is it Little Richard? <laughs>
1: No, it's a guitarist from a band that Billy Joel idolizes. It's not the Beatles. It is the Beatles. It's George Harrison. It's George Harrison.
0: (laughs) That's what he had written on his guitar. And this guy made money.
1: It was a guitar. He nicknamed Rocky. He played it for many, many years, recorded a lot of their hits on it. He got it in 1965. And then in 1967, when psychedelia was happening, he painted it all these funky colors and wrote Bebop Alula on it.
0: You know what's weird is like 10 years later, I know there was a meeting and this guy came in. He goes, I just want to say, I really like your guitar, mate. I've always uh, appreciated that. Is that sly? Yeah, I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also refers to Billy Joel because he really does look like him in those early days.
1: Yeah, or in the sometimes a fantasy video. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know I was just uh, using the phone and the. Uh... Was I, was, to... I, was just call, I wasn't trying to really have sex. I was just calling the girl. Don't, yeah, no, Adrian, don't worry about I'll, it. will be okay. Oh, the,
0: the and we'll say that at the end of that video, by the way, which makes the video, it's funny they were thinking about that. It's, it's all, it is a fantasy. The whole thing never happens.
1: Yeah, the classic. It was all a dream. Yes. She, never, she never answers. No big deal. Will Alon? you have your
0: work cut out for you for this song it's good i think it's a again i think it's a good parody song it's got a certain no i see your head shaking (laughs) what happened
1: oh you're not gonna like it that's all i believe that i was just trying to you're gonna hate it (laughs) really wow
0: what is it about 50s doo-wop music
1: no it's not about 50s doo-wop it's about you know how like you don't like the scone songs
0: it's not just me alan that that's been credited with everybody who listens to this show online.
1: Well, I feel like this is about another uh, food that I brought up in the past that that wasn't very popular to some people.
0: Then why would you want to?
1: Because it worked for the rhyme, damn it. Okay. It's called sometimes a poppy seed.
0: Oh, oh, well, yeah. uh, I think I was the only one. Then every remember everybody was on my head like, how do you not like poppy seeds? So yeah, everybody's on board that they don't care for your scone stuff, but I don't think there were any complaints about poppy seeds. I just don't care for it, but as long okay. as you didn't do poutine
1: again. I don't even still don't even know what that is. So. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, do you want to do the O's and the chorus of this one? Sure. OK. I woke up this morning and I felt so itchy. I thought maybe something bit me in the middle of the night. Then I saw a little black thing under my covers. <laughs> it really looked like a bed bug was there, which is my number one worst nightmare. It's just a poppy seed. Whoa. It's not a bed bug. Whoa. It's just a poppy seed. Whoa. It's not a bed bug. Whoa. Sometimes a poppy seed. Whoa. Is all you eat.
0: Is that it? Hey, now. (laughs) Well, that wasn't bad. And it was fun to sing the whoa. Yeah, I definitely (laughs) enjoyed that. I like when I can participate. Me too.
1: Well, folks, that was Sometimes a Fantasy. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Philly Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Have you ever received an obscene phone call? Have you ever sent one? Dave Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your theory on why Billy made music videos pre-MTV? Do you believe Billy knocking the piano over was pre-planned? And are you all going to try to call that phone number today?
0: <laughs> you have to. Please, somebody do it and let us know what happened. <laughs> Don't say we sent you.
1: Right. Until next time, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this <laughs> is Billy Joel A to Z. We'll